BC's new sick pay plan. We are going to, as of today, introduce three days of paid sick leave to the end of the calendar year. Is it enough to get people to stay home and help stop the spread of COVID? Switching up second doses. It may be that as a result of the second shot, we have a better uh, immune response. What this vaccine expert says about mixing and matching booster shots. And buyer beware in a hot housing market. They would not accept our offers. Our offers weren't even looked at. The pressure to make a no subject offer you might regret later. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. There are new questions tonight about the future of AstraZeneca, with two provinces now pausing the use of that vaccine. More than a quarter million British Columbians have already received their first AstraZeneca shots. But as Ted Chernecki reports, what happens with their second doses is still up in the air. First, Alberta stopped using AstraZeneca as a first dose because of a supply shortage, and it preferred to use the remaining doses for a second shot. Now, Ontario has stopped it too, for the same reason, but also because of a slight increase in blood clotting side effects. We're moving on in an abundance of caution to say, let's pause and assess this carefully. As of May 8th, there were eight confirmed cases of clotting in Ontario, 12 nationwide, and three deaths. But that's out of over 2 million doses, raising the risk of clotting from 1 in 100,000 to 1 in 55,000. Still extremely rare. Now the question looms larger. Is a different second dose safe? Right now, we don't know. And the big question is, as a result of the second shot that is different from the first one, if you have equal or a better immunity. Because it may be that as a result of the second shot, we have a better uh, immune response, stronger. The results of a UK study looking into just that are expected possibly by the end of this month. I would wait basically until I see the results. It all feels a bit like a choose your own adventure novel at the moment. Thought about it prob- probably for 24 hours, thinking, okay, I'm getting AstraZeneca. Is this a good thing? And I just said, no, this is a great thing. For those worried about mixing vaccines, today this assurance from Ottawa. So we will uh, make sure that those who got the AstraZeneca vaccine, the first dose, can be provided with a second dose. But no idea when that might happen as Canada's imports of AstraZeneca from India have all but dried up as that country desperately needs all the vaccine it can produce. So welcome to our pandemic where the only certainty is uncertainty. In fact, some experts believe the original COVID virus has already disappeared and we're now dealing exclusively with variants. Ted Shredek, Global News. Rejoins us live with more. Keith, what is BC's current position on AstraZeneca and is there any of it left at the pharmacies now? Yeah, so the BC government or the public health officials in BC's view is that AstraZeneca remains a safe vaccine to use and there are vaccine doses, AstraZeneca doses in various pharmacies around BC, but not very many, probably about 30,000. And we don't have any shipments on the horizon. What we do have coming in is a heck of a lot of Pfizer and Moderna this month and next. Take a look at the numbers. They're quite mind-boggling. Pfizer, more than 1 million doses in May, and that's going to increase to 1.3 million in June. We're getting less Moderna, 270 
70,000 is the hope for in May and June as well. It adds up to almost 3 million doses of these two vaccines alone. So obviously we don't need AstraZeneca right now. But of course, there's 260,000 people have had a first dose of AstraZeneca looking for the second dose. But that's really not going to have an impact until sometime later this month or in June. So we've got a lot of vaccines coming in quite apart from AstraZeneca. All right, with all those vaccines uh, coming into BC now, Keith, we're seeing the vaccination invitations getting younger and younger. They are, and the take-up rate is very encouraging amongst various age groups. Of course, older people have got the vaccine more than younger people right now, but that's going to change in the weeks ahead. Take a look at the, the vaccination rate by age group. People over 70, 86%. In the 60s, 75%, and we're still inoculating people in the 60s. People in the 50s, still in the midst of the inoculation program, 53%. Uh, yesterday it was announced you could go down to 40 years and expect your, your booking. Tonight, I can tell you, 37 years and older will be notified tonight if they've registered that their uh, uh, vaccine appointment is coming up. It's going to go down to 34 years tomorrow, likely in the 30s and 20s next week. So again, if you're a young person out there in the 20s and 30s, get registered because you're going to get contacted very soon about booking your vaccine. You're going to get Pfizer and Moderna, and that's going to be rolling out in the days and weeks ahead. Mm -hmm. A lot of vaccines coming in at a very quick period of time. It'll happen before you know it. All right. Thanks for that, no. Keith. Hopefully the numbers will plummet. Let's take a look at what we have today. We have 515 new cases. That brings BC's total to 136,623. 6,020 of those cases are active. 426 people are in hospital. 141 of those patients in the ICU. Two more people have died. And yesterday, 60,753 vaccinations were administered. After months of pressure from workers, unions and healthcare officials, the B.C. government has finally unveiled its program to provide sick pay for people who have to miss work due to COVID-19. Richard Zussman has the details and the reaction. Long wait over. I left it to the federal government to do this work because they said in good faith they would do so. It didn't meet the test of workers. After months of pressure, the B.C. government filling the gaps of the federal sick day program. Here's how it will work. For any part-time or full-time B.C. worker without current sick pay benefits, the program provides three full days of pay. Someone must be sick, showing symptoms, self-isolating, or waiting a test result for COVID, and can receive up to $200 per day from the government. The employer pays the rest. If a worker is sick for longer than three days, this program bridges the gap to the Federal Canada Recovery Sickness Benefit. Advocacy groups calling this a good first start, but that it's not good enough. The federal program has problems. It's less financial support and takes longer to arrive. And, and this program provides less support than needed. Well, after the three days, I really worry about them economically. This is really truly going to be devastating for them. We've been calling for 14 days during a pandemic and, and seven permanent days. So this is a long way from that. Businesses are supportive. The repayment is promised quickly, unlike the federal program. And while many companies put in additional sick pay support for the pandemic, they are pleased to see the province joining in. Employees need to feel safe. They need to feel safe to come to work, but they also need to feel safe to um, call in sick. Thanks, everybody. The legislation also lays out a long-term approach, one promising paid sick days for everyone by January 1st, 2022. Before determining how that will work, government is consulting. It's our job now at the Federation to raise the voice of workers to make sure we have a plan that works to make workers safe, their co-workers and families safe, and make workplaces resilient. 
Around a million people are right now without sick pay benefits and they could benefit from both the permanent and temporary program. As for the consultations around the permanent program, it will ultimately determine how much benefit someone receives and how exactly they will get it. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Canada is sending more medical supplies to India, hoping to help with that country's COVID crisis. 300 ventilators are among the supplies in the shipment from CFB Trenton. It's the second shipment to be sent to India over the past week. In total, Ottawa is sending 350 ventilators, more than 1,400 oxygen concentrators, and 25,000 vials of antivirals. India is still grappling with extreme infection rates, reporting 329,000 new cases on Monday alone. Meantime, the United States is expanding its vaccination rollout. The Federal Drug Administration has authorized the Pfizer vaccine for use in children ages 12 to 15. The CDC still has to approve the authorization. If it does, though, roughly 17 million American children and teenagers will be eligible to receive their first shots. Canada approved the Pfizer vaccine for the same age group last week. In a controversial move, the city of White Rock has decided to make Marine Drive a one-way street for the summer. Council voted to reduce traffic on the waterfront to help restaurant businesses expand their patios. As Catherine Urquhart reports, there are lots of logistics to work out before that can happen. Mexican Grill in White Rock. Samantha McQuaid briefly places a table out on the street as she happily plans for the arrival of additional customers. We're going to be able to sit out here, extend our patios, and help businesses along. Businesses along the waterfront just got the break they'd been desperately hoping for. All in favor of the motion, please show or say aye. Aye. On Monday night, council voted 6-1 to to close the north lane of Marine Drive until the end of September, allowing for more outdoor dining. The cost? About $50,000 to set up and $40,000 a month to maintain. We've been working now for probably a couple of weeks with the Business Improvement Association, the Chamber of Commerce and, and the business owners to try and find something we could do for them to help them out down there. The decision came amid some concerns about access for first responders. I looked at numbers essentially from May 15 to September 1st and we averaged uh, 36 calls uh, over those two years in that time frame to that area of Marine Drive. If there's a fire or other emergency in the area, plans are in place, says the mayor, who is also urging non-locals to stay away for now. If you wouldn't mind, please leave White Rock to the locals for now. And when we're ready to open up again, we're going to open you with well, open arms. Until then, Samantha McQuaid and other business owners are just happy to know they can soon welcome more customers. I would estimate that there would probably be the hiring of at least 100 more staff and 1,000 more that still have jobs. Those extra tables are expected to be set up on Marine Drive in about two weeks. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. In the middle of gang warfare, the chase is on. Holy there's gunshots. Why criminals, unafraid to fire shots in broad daylight, seem to have the upper hand, with more dead victims than arrests. That's next on the News Hour. You're doing great. Can you keep your eyes open for me? A kayaker in distress and the woman who came to the rescue, coming up on the News Hour.
And white-hot real estate causes some buyers to take big risks. Consumer Matters offers some advice. Before you make an offer, you'll regret later. Right now, though, the gang war gripping the lower mainland right now is raising more questions about whether police are on the right track in their efforts to deal with it. As Aaron MacArthur reports, a former B.C. Solicitor General says despite some improvements, the biggest problems are still communication, coordination and accountability. A murder at YVR. Holy there's gunshots. A high-speed chase through the streets of Richmond and a burnt-out car in Surrey. Gangsters don't care where they commit crimes, crossing two, three, or sometimes more police jurisdictions in the process. Critics say this patchwork of badges means no one is accountable for mistakes. I listed five police leaders that got up and talked about these incidents. Not one of them could I look to and say the public can hold that person accountable. Metro Vancouver is the only large urban area left in the country without a unified police force. The region divided up between municipal forces and the RCMP. There have been calls for an amalgamation on and off for decades. The last time a major gang war broke out, the complaints were about a lack of coordination and communication. Police say things have improved dramatically since then, and the forces are now heavily integrated. In this case, when we see uh, a surge in gang violence uh, across municipalities, we have an opportunity to further unite. So we conduct joint forces operations. We currently are coordinating the individual uniform gang units of each municipality. Yet it still seems like the police are making little progress getting a handle on the violence. On Sunday, the bad guys managed to drive 28 kilometers from YVR and burn their getaway car, all before effective roadblocks could be set up or a chopper could be spun up. BC's current Solicitor General believes police have the funding they need. They work very closely together, and so uh, there's an extraordinary level of cooperation, whether it's with RCMP forces or municipal forces, and uh, we know that uh, they are working as, as hard as they can. Despite the perceived advantages, the momentum and timing to establish a regional police force has long since passed. With the arrival of the Surrey Police Service, Metro Vancouver Policing is about to get even more fractured. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, one of the most disheartening parts of the gang conflict is the age of some of the victims. Two of the young men gunned down, 19 years old. Another, just 14. As Amadagahi reports, people who work to keep kids out of gangs are battling some powerful temptations. The images and the horror have a wider reach than we may think. Just ask Joe Calendino. We did ask the question, what are you seeing out in the media today? And, you know, multiple little children's hands popped up, shootings. How sad is that? An ex-gang member himself, he now works with kids in school districts across Metro Vancouver yeah. to keep them away from the temptations of what he describes as a dead-end lifestyle. Money becomes a part of it. That sense of belonging, my crew, my clique, they've got my back. And that power, right? Thinking you got power. And at the end of the day, nobody's going to have your back. The lack of connection of positive role models, that's what the kids are always looking for. Someone to look up to. That's what they don't have. And that's what we try to provide. 
There don't seem to be municipal boundaries. Recent shootings in Coquitlam, Langley, Richmond, Vancouver and Burnaby. The victims as young as 14 years old. It's about money. It's about power. It's about controlling the drug market. It's about turf. It's also about a mistaken belief about what machismo is and what strength is. Retired Vancouver Police Superintendent Andy Hobbs is calling for an immediate and all-government response, calling what he sees an out-of-control gang war. Gangsters don't care about anybody else. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. They don't care about my children, my grandchildren, or anybody else in society. They hide behind other people. That's why you see something happening at the airport or in public places. They're using human shields for their own protection so they can murder somebody in cold blood and get away. If you can manipulate somebody younger into doing a very heinous crime or a murder for you, that's the way they think because it's all about them, because they don't care about the young person. Hobbs also points back to how critical it is to keep kids from being recruited, citing the work of school liaison officers and organizations that try to reach youth before they're caught up with the wrong crowd. Amadagahi, Global News. A police helicopter helped the Surrey gang enforcement team make a recent bust involving drugs and guns. RCMP seized a loaded gun and prepackaged drugs from a vehicle they eventually caught up with in an underground parkade in the 8200 block of 120th Street last Thursday. Air One tracked the suspect vehicle when it sped away from officers attempting an earlier traffic stop. A man and a woman were released with conditions while the investigation continues. A grisly discovery by a couple out for a walk in a remote area near Penticton has police investigating two bodies and two men who were spotted acting suspiciously. The bodies were found in the Naramata Creek area Monday morning. As part of the investigation, additional officers were called in after reports that two men were seen cutting through nearby orchards. They were moving through that rural area on foot, um, running through orchards and, and hopping fences. So uh, given their proximity to this location, uh, we, we set up an area of containment uh, and, and, and launched a search for these two individuals. Police launched a ground and air search but couldn't find the two men. Investigators say while it's early, this appears to be targeted and they don't believe there's any danger to the public. Up next, calls to reopen Oppenheimer Park. Please open this as soon as possible. The suggestion that could preserve it for the people who live nearby. And later, a golden eagle gets a second chance at survival. Traffic is steady in both directions over here tonight at the Pitt River Bridge. Just seeing some minor congestion eastbound along Lowheat Highway through Port Coquitlam on the approach. Want access to the HOV lane? Beat rush hour traffic in the 2021 Chevrolet Bolt TV during employee pricing. On now at Chevrolet. Visit ChevroletOffers.ca. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Pitt River Bridge. More than a year after a tent city was cleared from Oppenheimer Park, the downtown east side green space remains closed to the public after a costly cleanup. Community advocates are desperate to get their park back. And you might be surprised at what they're proposing to prevent another encampment. Kristen Robinson reports. On Vancouver's west side, the lawns are lush and the parks plentiful. No one is grappling with a lack of green space. But in the densely populated downtown east side, community leaders say Oppenheimer Park 
which has been closed for a year, is the backyard for 10,000 residents. This is our green space. This is our park in the downtown east side. You know, those of us who live in SROs have nowhere else to go. With it fenced off, there's nothing. We're sad, but at the same time, I mean, I mean, they have to do something about it. I don't know. Maybe they make a gate. Or keep the fence up. The Carnegie Community Center Association wants Oppenheimer to reopen during the day and shut down at night to prevent another tent city, insisting in a letter to city officials that it must operate as a park, not just as a campground and a stage for social protest. It costs millions to rehabilitate the park. We don't want to have to keep repeating that cycle. We want the community to have access to the park and to, and to the services. The concept would borrow from New York City, where park gates are locked up after dark and be a first for a Vancouver public park. Only Dr. Sun Yet Sen Park, next door to the private tourist attraction, is currently gated at night. That's the best thing I ever heard. It's like being in a cage animal like a dog in the yard. I wouldn't mind that in a way. They destroyed the park the last time. It was pretty bad. Councillor Pete Fry thinks the idea has merit. The Carnegie Community Centre uh, Association services some of the most vulnerable folks in our city, and for them, Oppenheimer is a, an incredibly important park, and to lose it for going on two years now uh, is taking its toll. Fenced or not, the park board is aiming to reopen the western edge of Oppenheimer next month. They put a gate on it, and please, uh, please open this as soon as possible, because summer is coming. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, the hot housing market is starting to put a lot of stress on home buyers. Competition is fierce and subject free offers are becoming the norm again with potentially serious consequences down the road. Let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea. And thanks, Sophie. We've heard from many frustrated buyers who have told us most offers they put on the table won't even be considered unless it's subject free. Tonight, we talk with industry experts about the gamble you're taking if you forgo something as important as a home inspection. Jennifer Sims says in one month alone, she bid on over a dozen homes without success. We felt like we weren't going to get a house. Like We feel like we'd be priced out of the area. While shopping for a new home, the Maple Ridge resident would make an offer on a property subject to a home inspection, but says she'd hit a roadblock every time. They would not accept our offers. Our offers weren't even looked at. Feeling mounting pressure for fear of not finding a place, Jennifer says it wasn't until she made a subject-free offer that her bid was considered. No subjects. There were seven people bidding on it, and ours was the highest offer. People are being railroaded into buying a property with their eyes closed. Ted Gilmore is a licensed home inspector and has been in the business for over 20 years. He says buyers who submit condition-free offers and forgo a home inspection are gambling with their future. They don't know what's in the next chamber. And so, absolutely, it's, it's a huge gamble and their, their life and their family's life, uh, uh, welfare is at stake. While home inspectors must be licensed in B.C., having a home inspection is not mandatory. Gilmer says that needs to change. Some big brother needs to step in and say, listen, this is a minimal thing that you have to do if you want to buy property. You're playing with millions of dollars. You have to do it responsibly. Right now, it's just a wild, crazy circus out there. And 
Somebody has to be the adult. We need to have the consumer protection. Housing advocate and real estate uh, agent John Grasky agrees. He says the uh, province needs to have better uh, legislation in place to protect consumers. One thing uh, with real estate is there's a a Latin term called uh, uh, caveat emptor, which has been around forever and it's related to property. And it means let the buyer beware. And I don't think our local legislation allows the buyer to be aware. It, it forces, it, it allows the seller to force the uh, hand of the buyer without them having done their proper due diligence. Jennifer Sim knows that scenario all too well. While she's happy she found a new home, she hopes waiving a home inspection won't prove to be a costly decision. And tomorrow we'll talk to the Real Estate Council of BC about the current climate and we'll have the Ministry of Finance's response when asked if the province would consider a mandatory cooling off period so home buyers could have more time to do their due diligence for resale properties. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Sophie. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. Well, like so many other institutions, the pandemic forced BC Children's Hospital to find new ways to interact with young patients and their families. No one really knew what to expect from virtual doctor's visits, but as Kylie Stanton reports, a new survey finds many families actually prefer the new way of doing things. It's nice to see you. Staring into a computer screen with everyone in their own box. This is something we've all grown accustomed to over the course of the pandemic. But when it comes to health care, who would have guessed it would work? So a little bit of redness in the fold. And that eventually patients and families would come to prefer it. Prior to the pandemic, we were probably making, uh, on average, about four trips a year, but sometimes it may be as many as seven to ten trips a year. Natasha Phillips' nine-year-old son, Kyle, has a rare condition that requires constant monitoring from his team of physicians at BC Children's Hospital. What used to mean a 2,500-kilometre trek from Whitehorse to Vancouver, but not anymore. It really gave us an opportunity to stay home for a change and just to allow him to not miss school and not miss soccer and not fall further behind. The Phillips family isn't alone. Results of a BC Children's Hospital outpatient survey showed nearly 75% rate virtual care the same or better than in-person care. And 92% would recommend virtual care to others in the future. At the same time, debunking any preconceived notions about what the uptake would be. Instead, what we found is really broad support for virtual health across a really diverse group of, of families in British Columbia. Now, well over a year into this, healthcare professionals are focused on what comes next. Virtual care is here to stay. There's no doubt about that. It was a forced choice in some ways, but there's been such an appreciation. For Kyle, that means instead of boarding a plane for a checkup, he can have his birthday parties at home or spend his time learning to ski. Fantastic. A silver lining in this crisis that's still hard to believe. I would say that we have a healthier, happier kid right now, and it's just been a fantastic opportunity. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Up ahead, decriminalizing drugs hits a roadblock. The police have unchecked decision-making power. Why the people with the most to gain from the Vancouver model are feeling left out of the plans. And we'll have the latest on a disturbing find at the bottom of the Gorge Waterway coming up.
Join Global BC as we gene up this May to support BC Children's Hospital Foundation. Grab those jeans, post that pic, and donate at geneup.ca. And let's help BC kids get out of their hospital gowns and back into their jeans. The Victoria Police Historical Case Review Unit is investigating after the discovery of human remains in the Gorge Waterway. The remains, a partial cranial bone, were found by divers in February. It was initially thought the bones were archaeological, but after testing, it's now believed they are not ancient. Police say given that information and the location of the discovery, work is now underway to identify the person. Crystal Dunahy, mother of Michael Dunahy, who has been missing since 1991, has confirmed to Global News that she has not been contacted by police about this discovery. A desperate effort is underway to locate a man who's gone missing while fishing on the Fraser River. It was last Friday that Abbotsford resident Damien Dutrasac and a friend were on a boat that capsized. The friend swam to shore, but Damien has not been seen since. Family and friends are planning a major search tomorrow. They say he could be anywhere from Chilliwack to Mission. Damien was engaged last September, and his fiancée is frantic to find him. A GoFundMe campaign has been launched to help with the search effort. Well, the city of Vancouver could become the first jurisdiction in Canada to decriminalize small amounts of street drugs. But drug users say the proposed Vancouver model for decriminalization is full of flaws that could have been avoided if they had been at the table. Nadia Stewart reports. It is a day of action for advocates in Vancouver fighting for drug decriminalization. They're speaking publicly, saying their experience and expertise is not being included in the city's proposed policy, as Mayor Kennedy Stewart promised. Adding police have more say in how the so-called Vancouver model is being designed than they do. But if the police are in charge of the very policy that is supposed to lead to our liberation, it can easily become corrupted. It's more for the police, right? I thought this was designed for drug users and for the victims of the drug war. No, it's not. It doesn't seem like that at all. Brian O'Donnell of the Vancouver Area Network of Drug Users is also among many who say the proposed threshold amounts are too low. Two grams for opioids, three grams for cocaine, one gram for crack cocaine, and 1.5 grams of amphetamine. UBC professor Dr. Thomas Kerr says it's unclear how the city came up with these figures. But if you actually look at the city's report, and the values that were listed and their own risk analysis, which says you should have comprehensive coverage, um, that doesn't jive with the data that was shown in the report. Advocates say it is not too late for the city to press pause, gathering post-COVID data on drug use rather than relying on data from 2018. If there is going to be a threshold, experts say it should be high. And the only way to determine what that number should be requires more meaningful consultation with those who understand the situation better than anyone. Nadia Stroke, Global News. And in an email late today, the mayor says Vancouver's application to decriminalize simple possession involves consultation with a wide variety of stakeholders, including people with lived drug experience. The proposed thresholds are a starting point, according to the mayor, and will be monitored and evaluated as more data becomes available. Mayor Stewart will have more to say during his weekly media briefing tomorrow. Up ahead, a dramatic rescue on Okanagan Lake.
people, remember to breathe. A capsized kayaker saved in the nick of time and a warning from the woman who found him. And a raptor in distress. What landed this golden eagle in the rehabilitation center? You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Check out this Golden Eagle, thankfully on the mend. The South Okanagan Rehabilitation Center for Owls, or SORCO, says the juvenile eagle was found Sunday evening in a backyard in Grand Forks. It's believed the eagle was suffering from some form of poisoning. The raptor was brought to Sorco in Oliver, where it will stay until it's well enough to fly again. It's not clear if the eagle was deliberately poisoned. Golden eagles normally only eat fish, but experts say if they're hungry enough, this one may have eaten a rodent that could have been poisoned. Well, glad he's been taken care of now. For sure. All right, uh, meteorologist Christy Gordon is here now with a look at the forecast. We've got a good stretch, Christy, but a little... Um, interruption, a blip. That's exactly right. Sophie, you've been listening to the forecast. Good job. You're right. So uh, you can see the cloud cover behind me today. For most of the day, it was blue sky, and we warmed up into the low 20s in most areas away from the water in the interior as well. But that cloud cover means a little bit of a blip, as Sophie's saying. Now, quickly, I want to show you some photos. We had lots of action in the last 24 hours. We had photos of uh, um, lots of photos, by the way. Thank you to everyone who shared the photos of the sun halos. There was uh, a rainbow in uh, Kamloops, actually a couple of them and a storm in through the Pressy Lake area. So thank you everyone for sharing your weather photos. So showers on the way for us tomorrow. We'll see increasing cloud overnight and that case is going to be in across all areas in the south coast. So a few showers, not a soaker, but certainly you'll need a rain jacket or umbrella at times and then we'll start to see a break by the end of the day with highs reaching about 17 degrees near the water. Interior regions, your chance of showers will be in the afternoon hours as everything slides into your area, but you also have a risk of thunderstorms so from the central interior right down through the Okanagan Valley, keep your eye on the sky tomorrow afternoon. These cells will be isolated, but they could be pretty intense. So downpours of rain, downpours of hail, certainly possible, and lightning and thunder. Now for our region, the showers are mainly through the morning hours, and that's across Vancouver Island as well. Then we'll start to see a mix of sun and cloud through the afternoon hours. 17 degrees likely tomorrow, but some areas away from the water will be even warmer. But the highlight is the fact that we're back to sunshine Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It looks like we've got a really nice, strong stretch of weather that's in store for us right through until Monday. Monday may have a chance of showers, but at this point through the weekend, we've got uh, beautiful sunshine. And I'll leave you with tonight's Central Windows weather window from Maple Ridge. Chrissy sending us that as the sun was coming up. Beautiful shot looking out over. Uh, I'm not sure if this is her yard or she was out for a walk, but a stunning view, that's for sure. Be a nice yard if it is. <laughs> Great shot. All right, thanks, mm -hmm. Christy. Well, to help them get through the pandemic, many British Columbians have turned to music. Case in point is a Vancouver choir that has created a parody of this recent video by Dolly Parton, encouraging people to get their vaccine. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. I'm begging of you, please don't hesitate. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. Yes, and that's Vancouver-based Chorus Studios YVR Pop Choir that put together their own virtual music video 
to encourage British Columbians to get the shot with their spin on Dolly's spin of her classic Jolene. The group is also part of a virtual performance project involving seven Vancouver choirs with the proceeds going to the Crisis Centre of BC. They sound great. That takes coordination, getting all those people. Does it ever? And Dolly sounds great to this day still, too, oh, doesn't yeah. she? She's the greatest. No doubt. All right. Greatest in the sports world is Squire. Often, often people say green means go, but in this case, does it mean stay? No, I wanted to hear the nice things you had to say about me. <laughs> he's done now. Yeah, okay. Oh, he's done. Oh, darn. Okay. So that's all you get. All right. So his contract is running out, not Chris Galis's, but Travis Green's, and he would like to stay as the Canucks coach. Uh, first day I got here, I wanted to coach this team uh, through the rebuild. Well, they gave him a nice room at the hotel, it looks like. Uh, another playoff miss doesn't help the cause, but he says he and Jim Benning have a very good relationship. Also tonight, the hero who saved a capsized kayaker and caught it all on camera. So now that the playoff math will not add up, what do we focus on next? Well, now they're playing for pride, as they always like to say. We're playing for pride. We're playing for jobs next year. I always love when they say we want to finish strong for next year. Believe me, after the summer, you won't remember anything about the momentum of finishing strong in the previous season. Anyway, Sophie's right. The playoffs are gone. And the final games the Canucks will play will really affect their draft lottery position for sure. Uh, it will give a few young players more chances to get NHL experience, to impress the coaches and the management, and maybe it's a last chance for Travis Green to convince the Canucks to give him a new contract because after this season, he won't have one. Now, it's odd they let Green go this year without a new contract. It clearly meant that they weren't very sure about him. And when I say they, I mean the Aquilinis. Remember, the Canucks have only made the playoffs once under Travis Green, and that was last year when they let 24 teams in the bubble. Travis Green would love to come back next year. He wants to coach here, although he doesn't really like getting into the subject very much. I'm not going to comment. I've said it from day one that I'm not going to comment on uh, my contract situation. I'm not going to start doing that now. Uh, Jim and I have always had a great relationship. I've said that I wanted to coach the Vancouver Canucks uh, the first day I got here. I wanted to coach this team uh, through the rebuild and get to a spot where I thought we were getting some good young pieces and had a bright future, and, and I want to still continue. I still have the same feeling, and, and Jim has said the same thing, that he wants me to coach the team, and we'll see where it goes. Well, as I said, ultimately the ownership has to agree. Paul Stastny's 1,000th game, they gave him a silver stick, but he didn't play with it, although I think I would have liked to have seen him try. Uh, Logan Stanley stopped by Braden Holtby. Of course, the Canucks won... In Winnipeg last night, 3-1, but tonight the Jets look a little more fired up. Kyle Connor scoring there to make it 1-0. Then what's the defense of the Canucks doing here? Blake Wheeler is just allowed to walk right in. Alex Hedler, you're not a goalie. Somebody step in front of this guy, 2-0, as the Jets captain scores there. And then his shot gets deflected by Mark Scheifele, so all the big Jets score in this one. And after two periods, Winnipeg is up. Three to nothing. 
Whitecaps are on the road tomorrow. They are in Minnesota. And no road game in soccer is easy, especially one that's in midweek. But Minnesota is off to a brutal start this year. Four losses in four games. The Whitecaps, on the other hand, fourth in the West. Two wins, a loss, and a draw. Game time is six, our time. And it'll be on AM 730 with the pregame show starting at 5. Over in England, Leicester City and Manchester United. And Leicester City could help Manchester City win the Premier League if they beat Man United. And that's a good start for Leicester City. Luke Thomas with a goal there, nice one, 10 minutes in, to give the visitors a 1-0 lead. But Manchester United would tie it. Mason Greenwood, also a nice goal. Second half, the decisive marker would go to the boys in blue. Soyinchu with the goal. Oh, look at that. They've got Oilers and Canadians logos. Anyways, that's not right. But the score is Manchester United loses 2-1. Uh, to one. So with that, Manchester City are the champions of the Premier League. Okay. So often when an athlete tested positive for steroids, they would say they never knowingly took them. It was an accident. And that is the latest defense of trainer Bob Baffert, whose Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit tested positive for a steroid after winning the Derby. But the horse is in Baltimore, getting ready for the second leg of the Triple Crown this weekend. The Kentucky Derby champion Medina Spirit will run in this weekend's Preakness, despite having recently tested positive for a banned steroid. But the horse will race on the condition that it passes extra pre-race testing under special monitoring. This morning, Medina Spirit jogged at Pimlico just hours before a statement and a photo from its trainer, Bob Baffert, who disclosed that the horse developed dermatitis on its hind end. I had him checked out by my veterinarian who recommended the use of an antifungal ointment called Otomax. Otomax contains betamethasone. That's an anti-inflammatory, but it is banned on race day. Baffert says that may have triggered the positive test result. Medina Spirit has won the Kentucky Derby! The horse tested positive after the Derby victory, and Baffert blamed cancel culture, a conspiracy. He said there may even be cross-contamination. It's so easy to get contaminated. They can lick a wall. They can do it just so easy now. But when they're testing at these levels, it's ridiculous. I just, it's, it's just a bunch of baloney. That's veteran horse racing expert Ray Pollock. Should Baffert's veterinarian have known better? You'd think the vet would say, hey, we got to be careful with this. Uh, but apparently he didn't. By the way, Baffert reportedly is not going to attend the Preakness this weekend because he thinks he might be a distraction. So, okay, I want to go back to that soccer game because that was like Gremlin City. So yeah. Leicester City beat Manchester United 2-1, and with that, Manchester City wins the Premier League. Okay, so, The way things work in football, as they say. Thank you, Squire. Up next, a kayaker in the right place at the right time for a life-saving rescue, and most of it was caught on camera. Well, you might wonder, what would you do if you came across someone in distress? A Kelowna woman is now being hailed as a hero after she was put to the test on Okanagan Lake. She did not hesitate to help a fellow kayaker in distress. And as Megan Turcotta reports, most of the rescue was captured on video. Sally Wallach was filming her paddle on Okanagan Lake when she came upon another kayaker holding on to a capsized boat. In a little bit of trouble. I noticed right away he wasn't okay. I tried to keep it light, not to panic him. Um, 
he was past the point of, I think, being panicky, um, which was concerning. How long have you been out here for? She believes the man was in the water for more than 45 minutes and that he got into trouble when the wind picked up dramatically, changing conditions on a formerly calm day. Was wearing his life jacket, so he had all the right things. He had his phone. Um, he was just very um, unlucky to have the weather turn in such an unpredictable way. Keep going, remember to breathe. She got him to hold on to her boat and started to paddle. And I was just getting him to kick a little bit, trying to keep warm. And then uh, his eyes started closing and um, started to really go limp. And um, that's when I was like, like, what do I do now? Because he's about to let go of the boat, I think. Can you keep your eyes open for me? She ended up getting into the water with him, got him draped over her boat and flagged down a pontoon boat, which was able to speed the man to help waiting on shore. The whole time paddling back in my head, I, I thought, like, he didn't make it. <laughs> so I was quite upset. She'd later learn he did survive, and she believes he was not seriously injured. I'm just grateful that it all worked out. Um, I do kind of think about what would have happened maybe if the pontoon boat didn't come. She's thankful she had enough paddling experience to help and wants the incident to be a safety lesson for everyone. You should have someone with you. You should have people know you're out there on shore. Because quickly changing conditions can turn a fun paddle into a close call. Megan Turcato, Global News, Kelowna. I think she was there. Very good point there. And it's, uh, it's probably going to be good weather for a paddle out there in the Okanagan. Christy? Yes, not necessarily tomorrow. We could have a risk of thunderstorms, but over the next several days after tomorrow, sure is looking great. Nice. All right, thanks for watching, everyone. Have a good night. Good night, all.